Welcome to Live the Fuel, where we fuel your health, business, and lifestyle. And now your host, Scott Mulvaney. All right, good day and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another Live the Fuel show. So today, yes, as usual, we got another new guest co-host for you. And uh, just to go ahead and set the bar high, we've got a doctor joining us. So obviously, uh, well, I wish we just had a PhD on who's in the business world, but uh, we are going to go healthy. This is going to be a, a more healthy-themed and healthy lifestyle, I'm sure, episode, because uh, this gentleman, he might know a few things. He even became an author, and we're going to be talking about a book today called, get this, The Sugar Crush. So... I'm going to go ahead and warn you guys, if you're a newer listener, if you're a longer-term listener, you know that I am very anti-sugar, so I'm very excited to see what we're going to talk about today. Uh, but also his brand, uh, if you want to check him out, we'll do some screen sharing during the show, is uh, his site, extremityhealthcenters.com. And I love the fact that he's down in Arizona, where I used to live as well, and maybe that'll pop into the show as well. So without further ado, Dr. Richard Jacoby, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. So uh, do you actually live in Scottsdale or just, just work there? No, I actually live in Scottsdale. I used to spend my days off in Scottsdale. A buddy of mine had a, a very nice, I don't know what you want to call it. We'll just call it very modern, nice, trendy loft apartment in uh, North Scottsdale. So uh, when I had my days off from firefighting, I'd go down there and, and actually enjoy <laughs> pools and, 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 and the normal life, I guess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So quick background for you. The reason why there's fire in our logos, I actually uh, was based in Arizona and I served on a hotshot crew with the U.S. Forest Service uh, as an excuse to leave the corporate world. So um, that's how I know Arizona. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So do, I mean, how long have you been in Arizona then? 40 plus years. Okay. And we just learned before I hit record, ladies and gentlemen, since I'm based an hour north of Philly, this gentleman also airs from the Philadelphia world. So now, how, how old were you when you uh, finally popped out of Philly and got out of there? Well, as soon as I got out of medical school, I moved right out here the next day. Wow. That's so that was about 42 years ago. And then did you go right for your own practice? Did you end up jumping into some other practices? No, I, I opened my own practice the first day. Oh, wow. Yep. Yeah. You don't mess around, sir. No. <laughs> <laughs> and now, obviously, you're a podiatrist. So Correct. Uh, did you go right for obviously foot care? Uh, did you niche yourself in anything athletic markets and all like that right away? Because it's, there's a lot of healthy fit people in Arizona. There are, I was, uh, involved in the sports medicine world. And when I first got in practice, so I was the podiatrist for the Phoenix suns. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. You, that you was, definitely were connected to the athletic market. <laughs> I was. Yes. So what was it like, by the way, jumping in with those guys? Well, I couldn't jump in with them because they're too <laughs> tall. But uh, they're um, in, in those days, um, they weren't the athletes they are today. That's for sure. Hmm. Um, they were great basketball players. Nothing to take it away from them. But the athleticism today is far different than it was 40 years ago. The sport um, has changed, yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, their attention to diet was not uh, appreciated. Uh, they just played basketball and had a lot of fun. Now it's a real business. I love you dived right into the diet right away. It is interesting, though, how we we look up to athletes because I'm a, I'm a bit of an athlete. I've dabbled in some extreme sports and stuff. So, And I actually grew up playing baseball or basketball and baseball, actually. So uh, I'm familiar with there was no guidance back then. We didn't discuss nutrition. We didn't discuss healthy lifestyle. It was just here's your drills and go home and practice them when you're not on the court. <laughs> exactly. When did you see it, um, 
the nutrition component, since you brought that up, dietary practices, you know, to help with training, when did you see that, that start jumping into the circle? Well, for me, it was about 25 years ago. Okay. Um, but that was because of my training. I was trained by a fellow by the name of Lee Dellen from Johns Hopkins in nerve surgery for the diabetic neuropathy. And that was a happenstance. Uh, he was giving a lecture at our hospital here in Scottsdale, and he was talking about decompressing nerves in the bilateral lower extremity for diabetic neuropathy, hmm. which is a very novel idea. But he he is a professor of neurosurgery at Johns Hopkins, and he had developed the carpal tunnel and the ulnar tunnel of the elbow. And a patient said to him back in the 80s, why don't you fix my feet? And he said, well, that's not done. That's a different disease. And what he meant by that was that was called diabetic neuropathy. And the upper extremity was carpal tunnel and ulnar tunnel. Hmm. And but the patient said to him, but that doesn't seem um, right because I'm a diabetic. I have nerve problems in my hand. Why don't you do my feet? Well, he is a, um, a very interesting uh, guy and he is a scientist as well as a surgeon. And he went to the laboratory and did the dissections in the lower extremity and came up with the idea that this is the same disease. Diabetic neuropathy is a nerve compression. Hmm. He did um, rats and very amazing experiments and uh, primates. And he came up with the conclusion that diabetes through sugar and its biochemical reaction causes nerve compression. Makes so that makes sense, but it didn't, it didn't 40, it now it's um, yeah, 40 years ago. Oh, good point. Yes. I'm, I'm saying it makes sense to me because I've been studying, you know, the effects of sugar and the triggers of inflammation on the body myself. And I'm not a doctor. <laughs> well, I, you know, I just care a lot. <laughs> yeah. And I think athletes get it because their body depends on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, doctors have a different viewpoint. You come to them with, uh, an itis, as I like to say, and they give you a drug to counteract the itis. And that is still practice. That's allopathic medicine. Where's your, where's your itis? And here's your drug. Now I was trained the same way, but he changed my viewpoint. And then ironically, um, I said to him, Dr. Dellen, uh, after doing thousands of those procedures and no amputations, by the way. Hmm. And I said to him, there must be more to your theory. And he looked at me. Now, this is a full professor of neurosurgery at Johns Hopkins. You don't really say something like that to him. He said, why don't you figure it out? <laughs> yeah. And I said, well, you know, maybe that maybe I, I really haven't read outside my training. So let's give it a shot. Hmm. Uh, and back in about 2004, I found an article written by John Cook at Stanford and was called the Uber marker of cardiovascular disease. And he described a molecule, and this kind of gets very deep into the biochemistry of <clears throat> asymmetric dimethyl arginine. And that molecule blocks the nitric oxide pathway. I'm familiar with the, those two discussion points around arginine and all that. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And he was the world's leading authority on that subject from a cardiovascular standpoint. I text him uh, and he called me about an hour later after he got my text. I didn't know who he was other than his article. And he said, that's a, that's a great idea. Why don't you come up to Stanford? Uh, let's take a look at it. And I did. And we looked at maybe 160 patients that were diabetic 
and we used his molecule and we put them in five groups and we saw this progression of the uh, elevation of asymmetric dimethyl arginine, which let's call ADMA. Mm -hmm. And they were elevated in a host of different diseases, including MS and uh, other inflammatory diseases of nerves. And I said to, to Dr. Cook, I said, look at this data. And he said, why don't you quit your practice, come up and work with me? Well, I'm not a scientist. I like science. But um, I said, uh, and I'm going to be in a laboratory for the rest of my life with your rats, uh, which I like rats. And I, d- I used to work with them in, in, uh, in uh, Philadelphia, actually, at the Ben Franklin Clinic. Oh, wow. Yeah, at the University of Pennsylvania. And we were, <clears throat> this is interesting because that we were working with um, a molecule called phenylalanine, which is the uh, molecule that causes um, uh, the basal ganglion uh, staining. And it was a genetic disease. Mm-hmm. We didn't know the answer at, the, at that time, but that molecule, ADMA, has a lot to do with it, by the way. Really? With, with the yeah. uh, the staining component or yeah. just, okay. And uh, so um, I took that, I didn't realize I was taking that knowledge to Stanford with uh, Dr. Cook. Hmm. So when we looked at MS, multiple sclerosis, it dawned on me that same question that was asked to Dr. Dellen, why don't you treat my diabetic neuropathy? And I... I looked at MS and I said, wait a minute, MS is really another manifestation of sugar mm-hmm. on a different nerve. And that nerve is the vagus nerve. Yep. And uh, when you get tingling and numbness in your toes in the beginning phases and some ocular changes in the eye, and then eventually you get loss of not only feeling in your feet, but your loss of mo- motor control. It's the same as diabetic neuropathy, just a different nerve. You're hitting on everything that I'm a geek about because my father's a type two diabetic. And oh, by the way, you'll pre- not appreciate this, but he was literally just in the hospital a few weeks ago for a leg, leg injury, uh, which ended up connecting, uh, ended up being cellulitis, which was triggered from an abscess that generated behind a callus on the bottom of his foot. And that's exactly, that's exactly how it happens. There you go. And I mean, so I, I just love what we're hitting on right now, because obviously this is hitting personally to home, but there's obviously so many diabetics out there. And people think that because I'm six foot four and 190, 195 pounds that I'm genetically great. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Everybody in my immediate family is overweight. And I truly have no problem telling people this is due to the lifestyle choices. Uh, I believe we can reprogram <clears throat> some of our genetics, so to speak, right? Uh, I don't oh, know absolutely. You, yeah. Uh, and we can get right into the weeds on that one because <laughs> I think that's exactly what it is, is epigenetics. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're... Um, oh, we've had audience. a few epigenetics people on the show. Okay. This is the new, new science. And um, these quote unquote genetic diseases are starting to express. Mm-hmm. So my thought process is what is the environmental factor? It's got to be something that's new to the genome. And what is new to the genome? High fructose corn syrup. Oh, yeah. And that was introduced into the diet in 1974. So, yes, sugar, glucose, and disaccharides, uh, fructose, was in our diet, but not genetically modified fructose. And glyphosate is another trigger uh, that Monsanto uh, 
cleverly, insidiously, and dominated our diet. Mm -hmm. And now everybody is on that sugar. They don't know it. And they are getting all these manifestations of uh, different neurologic diseases. And MS is one of them. Well, I mean... It, it, I'm a big passion for MS, by the way, because I spent. I'm a huge cyclist, so I've done my first. When I first started really getting into road cycling, I did a bunch of the MS 150 events. Every major city has an MS 150 road cycling event where you bike 100 miles and you raise money. So I spent five, six years doing MS 150s before I moved west, west and tried out the firefighting thing and everything else. But um, then I ended up losing a cousin to ALS. Which again, ah, all these people don't realize like ALS is very similar to MS, but like you're talking about, there's just different manifestations in the body and all of the, everything we're discussing, diabetes, MS, MS, uh, obviously ALS, these are diseases. Diseases are inflammation. It's your body responding in a negative way. Uh, I know I'm not a doctor, but how's that? Is that, is that a good way to sum it up? <laughs> well, because you're not a doctor, you understand it. Mm. I have this discussion every day with patients and doctors. And the more specialized the doctor is, he will say or she will say to me, you don't understand, doctor. I'm the expert in ALS. And I say, I understand what you know, but you're not opening yourself up to this discussion. Now, let's talk about ALS. This relates to sports medicine. Mm. This is a fact. ALS is 400% more prevalent in the National Football League. Did you know that? My cousin never made it past high school football, he was a great football player. As weird as he, I mean, we're all connecting on this, but it's like, yeah, he was a great football player. And then as soon as he got out of high school, that disease started kicking in. I mean, that's young, but. Okay. Well, this is how I look at that disease or any of these diseases. And we'll, we'll go back into the 1800s where it all started. Yeah. So ALS, what does that mean? It's a descriptive term for a process. I don't see where that's a disease. Mm. I think you're describing an effect. The oh. diagnosis to me is the other way around. What's cause? The cause is sugar. And then we'll go through the process of how that sugar causes the change. Are you, are, no. so, uh, I mean, I'm interesting. I, I, pardon my interruption. I just want to pause on this. So this is bigger than just, oh, well, it's called Lou Gehrig's disease, right? You know, so when people hear ALS, and this is for the newer listeners who may not have been familiar with ALS, that's the other name for this, Lou Gehrig's disease. Um, but I'm just interesting. You really, you're actually digging deeper even into just how it's titled and how it's been branded. I didn't really think right. about that. Well, I don't know if we have five hours on the show. But we, <laughs> we try but, uh, for the audience. We try and keep it to like an hour. We've gone over, you know. <laughs> well, so A, what does A in Latin mean? No. Mm. A, myotrophic, mu muscle. Mm -hmm. So no muscle function lateral on either side of the neck, mm. which is essentially the glossopharyngeal nerve, okay. the ninth cranial nerve. So, and the word sclerosis again, is, which is a scarring. Okay. And how does the body heal from inflammation? By fibrosis. And that word fibrosis is scarring. So amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. Lou Gehrig's disease telling you that athletes have this at a higher uh, prevalence. Hmm. So my theory is, and if you look in the inside of my book, and I don't know if you have the book in front of you. I do not, but I actually, I can at least... Uh... Actually, I want to do some screen sharing anyway for the ladies and gentlemen, so I can show it off on the YouTube feed when we get this up live. There it is, ladies and gentlemen, the sugar crush. Uh, so on the, 
Yeah, on the inside leaf of the book, it okay. says sugar plus trauma equals nerve compression. Okay. Or oh, so you have like, a, like an equation in there. I like that. Yeah. So, um, I should have had a book in front of my myself here on the leaf of the book. But it says it's sugar plus trauma equals nerve dysfunction. Okay. And I don't care what nerve it is. So we're going to call that a name. So let's go back to the 1800s. Okay. There's a guy by name of Charcot. Very bright guy. Um, And he was one of the first neurologists in France in the 1800s. So he had a patient who had numbness, tingling, burning, uh, loss in function, had a bad gait, couldn't see that well. At autopsy, he opened up the brain and saw these little white spots in the brain. Mm -hmm. And in the cervical spine, not the whole spine. Hmm. And that's got to give you a, a tip off there. Yeah, why didn't it spread? Yeah. Right. If this is autoimmune, every nerve is going to have the same effect. So, MS, multiple areas of scarring in the brain and cervical spine. Now, we see that on MRI now, but when he was looking at a live autopsy, he just described what he saw. Hmm. Multiple areas of scarring. That's all he was saying. What was causing it? He had no clue. So those names get picked up in the, what we call the nomenclature of medicine. When I first started in practice, by the way, this is kind of, this is, this is political statement here. (laughs) But before Obamacare, we had maybe 15,000 diagnoses. Now we have 86,000. Now, How is that why, why do we, because he's been misdiagnosed in the past or more people are finally getting it checked? What do you think about that? I think it's just total nonsense. Oh. So we, so we create more and more words to describe a, an effect. So let's say it's an accident on the street. Okay. Hold out for you. Let's do, what, broaden, broaden market. There we go. Okay. So we, have, so we have an accident at broaden market. Okay. Broken glass all over the street, blood, screaming, crumpled metal. Mm-hmm. That's an accident. So we're going to describe the accident. That's medicine in a nutshell. So let's call that broad and market disease. Okay. So north, uh, popular in, Mar- or popular in broad, broad mm-hmm. Street or Cheltenham Avenue. Same thing happens. Two opposing forces collide. And we have another disease. Cheltenham Avenue and Broad Street. Even if it's the same accident. Same accident, different address. Hmm. Same accident at the glossopharyngeal nerve in your neck collides by trauma with a already inflamed nerve. And that it, I mean, I don't think these nerves were caused by um, meteorites. They, I mean, they could be traumatized, I think, but that would be an outlier. Now, let, let me give you Go ahead. I, I was about to. I'm just making a connection in my head right now. So I'm trying to connect on the football component, right? So do you, you're saying that you're seeing a lot of this stuff with football players, right? And you, you just mentioned this accident, the impact. So if there's stuff that's already happening inside the athlete, and because their, their heads get hit a lot, and there's a lot of neck trauma going on, do you, is that where we're tying this all together here? Absolutely. Okay. So let's take let's take two. Well, let you're six, four, 190, but I think we could get you up to 300 pounds. Yeah. I think we could do it. That's a lot of work. You're going to be on the line. <laughs> okay. You're going to be alignment. So we're going to, so we're going to get you to be alignment with it, 
what I used to call it the Eagles. Is this still the Eagles or are they the Eagles? I, 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 I don't know. I, I'm guess I'm guessing it's all Eagles nowadays. So, but uh, I don't know. I was born in Jersey, so I, I'm apparently the bad guy because I'm technically a Giants fan. But I've actually been to more Eagles games uh, than I've been Giants games because all my friends are Eagles fans. So, so we want to get those guys the 300 pounds. So yep. we're going to take you. Okay, how the hell are we going to do it? If you eat a ketogenic diet, you're not going to be a lineman. I am a keto be, guy. You're going to be very strong. You're going to be very alert and lean and mean. But we don't need that. We need you 350. I can get your salary up mm-hmm. for every pound. I can get you up there. So how are we going to do it? We got to feed Pasta you carbohydrate. <laughs> we got a carbohydrate load, and you got to eat multiple meals during the day. And we just got to fatten you up. Yeah, it's not just the external fat. And uh, this is something I dropped on the show many times. That I want to hear what you comment. The visceral fat people. Why is visceral Absolutely. fat? Why is that so bad, Doc? Well, it's 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 white fat. It's not brown fat. Mm. So natural fat we want is brown. And it has physiologic. Uh, and it's omega-6 fatty acids, mm-hmm. the visceral fat. And we don't have natural enzymes to get rid of it, by the way. Yeah. So it's going to stay in there and it's collects around the organs, right? Around the organs. So if I'm going to make you alignment and let's say I able to do that, and then I'm going to take your neck, I'm going to take another guy on the other side and I want you to hyperextend your neck, push your chin up. And now we're going to pound your neck into each other over and over and over again on an inflamed nerve. So you have to carry the gene though, I believe. Okay. So we, we need to epigenetically uh, manifest that gene. And if you carry that gene, you will have amyotrophic lateral sclerosis of that particular nerve. And it will not function. And if it doesn't function, you will die. Wow. Because you can't breathe and you'll waste away. And it takes about five years on the average. Yeah, it's it's especially like... ALS related, it was fast. I mean, oh, he starts dropping weight. He obviously ends up in a wheelchair. Then he loses uh, motor functionality, and then he's got the, the little joystick remote. He, I mean, he 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 literally wasted away. Um, exactly, and it's a shame. So, it's very hard to watch. Well, it's horrible because it's a cranial nerve, as and and there are differences in cranial nerves as opposed to extremity nerves. There's you know different. Um, uh, insulation, myelin versus uh, the type of uh, insulation on cranial nerves, but they still cause a demyelination process and they die back and the neuron that feeds those nerves die. And at, as they, you lose those, you die. Yeah, so the, the, the myelin sheath is what I'm thinking of right now. So people are hearing it. We're getting very techy, but so is there a way to regenerate that myelin sheath? Because I know that's the protective coating, so to speak, right? Yes. Yeah. Now, this is my supposition, and we'll get into stem cells and all the rest of it, sure. which does work for that, by the way. So <laughs> the idea that first we have to kind of get the idea that trauma on an already inflamed nerve is going to cause fibrosis scarring. Oh, yeah. Now, let's go back to Dr. Dellen's theory, which is really not his theory, but there's two fellows by name, Upton and McComas. They wrote an article in Lancet, 1973, and described the double crush syndrome, and that's where the sugar crush comes from. 
Ah, so, now ah, you're making a connection okay. on your keywords now. All right. Okay. So the word, so they looked at um, the carpal tunnel yep. and brachial plexus. So they noticed when you had pressure on your wrist in the median nerve, that if they did a carpal tunnel release, then sometimes the pain in the shoulder went away. But okay. the key word here, they also noticed that 16% of the people in their study had diabetes, hence the word sugar crush. Hmm. So they found if you had one crush, physical, plus a sugar crush, you had nerve dysfunction. But they only applied it to the, to the arm. Right. Dr. Dellen took that theory, applied it to the leg. And real quick, because uh, I'm going to link all these uh, gurus that you're talking about here. Is this the gentleman right here, the, the Dellen Institute? Yep, that's him. Dr. Dellen, okay. He's my good buddy. Um, he's the world's most famous uh, surgeon in the world. Well, he owns Dellen.com. No one else had the control of that name, so score for yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> so he, <clears throat> he taught me um, back in the year 2000. And I brought this theory to him, and my take on it, and he was not happy. Oh. I mean, he's up for the Nobel Prize of Medicine, by the way. Well, with his level of impact, I can. Yeah, you're, you've been dropping names on this show that normally I, I hear. I'm hearing from from other health influencing podcasts. Uh, it, it, that's why I'm like, wow. All right, I'm gonna love the show. <laughs> but he's yeah. he's up for that now. Good for him. Oh yeah, I mean, this is a monumental phenomenal human being he's written 700 articles on this subject 55 chapters in textbooks wow. and two textbooks he's he's dr nerve but i brought my theory to him after i trained from him and he said ms you're really stretching the my theory i said well um i think it, it in biochemistry why would it attack one nerve it has to attack all the nerves. Hmm. We, and so th th let's let's take that thought process and go back to Dr. Charcot in the 1800s. Okay. And here's a Philadelphia connection, 1800s, University of Pennsylvania Hospital. And his first name is Silas, of course. Civil War, 1862. Mm -hmm. Silas Mitchell, first neurologist in the United States. Pennsylvania Hospital, another Philly connection. So... He was probably chewing on a uh, Philly cheesesteak, thinking about that in 1862. And the Civil War broke out, and he set up a hospital outside of Philadelphia. Um, and I don't know where it is. I think it's around Gettysburg because he was seeing mechanical musket shots. And the first one he described was a musket shot to the neck right under the jaw. It didn't kill the guy, went around his neck, hmm. and they described this Horner syndrome, which is dilation of one eye and constriction of the other eye, and the guy lived. Hmm. And he, in his notes, called that a commotion. There's <laughs> a high scientific word. A commotion of the nerves. There's definitely a lot of commotion going on in an injury like that. A lot so. of, and it came out of his other side of his neck. Oof. He lived. Huh. He lived. So... I suspect you could get ALS from a musket shot, possible, right? but not very probable, but this guy kind of had that type of injury. So here's something crazy to ask. I know this sounds so shocking, but we're talking about MS, ALS, diabetes, uh, the sugar crush. Uh, 
okay, is the science strong enough now that if I went back to my cousin and said, let's do everything we can to remove the sugar, the inflammation, the grains out of your life, well, I don't know. Could we have slowed it down, maybe even stopped it? What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. Because Hmm. the gene is known now for ALS. It's five C's and two G's. Okay. In the genome, if he's carrying that gene and he was eating a lot of sugar Mm -hmm. and trauma, that gene would express. So for your audience, let's talk about epigenetics and how it works. Okay. So your genes and mine are the same except for underneath the genome, we're carrying specific genes that could express at any given time for any environmental factor. Okay. And I'm gonna I'm gonna try to explain this in a couple of different ways. Number one, Atlantic City, we have Vegas out here, but Atlantic City, you go down and you're gonna play dice. Okay, they're gonna come up 7-Eleven absolutely the way they should, probabilities. They're gonna build hotels and you're gonna go broke. However, <laughs> if you stick some lead in those dice and put a magnet under the table, you can change that probability. That's epigenetics. True. So you, you're given a set of genes, but if you mess with them environmentally, they're going to express. And that's what we call disease. But I say it is a epi, I'm going to give a word to it, epigenetic axonopathy. And what I mean by that word axon, that's the smallest component of the nerve. It's okay. like fiber optic. And when that starts to get inflamed and it gets scarred, I don't care what nerve it is, anything downstream from that nerve, distal, is not going to function. doesn't matter if it's your eye, your big toe, or any other organ system in your body. And if it happens to be the glossopharyngeal nerve, you're dead in five years. Wow. Can it be reversed? Yes. By stem cells. And I just came back from the perinatal stem cell society meeting in Salt Lake City about six weeks ago. Kids who have autism, that's an inflammatory disease. That's a different nerve. It's the hypoglossal nerve. I've said that kids for years. Who kids who couldn't speak are speaking. Kids that couldn't walk with muscular dystrophy are walking with stem cells. And this is not a new phenomenon. This is Dr. Joanne Kurtzberg, who is at Duke, is doing the studies, and she's been doing it for 30 years. Hmm. So why is this not known in medicine? Well, it's you know it's funny because of, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this. You ever hear of uh, Vinny Tortorich? Oh yeah, he interviewed me uh, for my book years ago. Well, Vinny's Vinny's my client. So oh okay. So he I've been on his I, actually I, I just went on his show because he wanted me to tell a story about my 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 father and my hospital experience. Uh, obviously from his stay, him being a diabetic patient. So I helped run the crowdfunding because I'm sure he told you about Fat Doc, the movie coming out. Oh yeah, yep. So I helped run the crowdfunding for that. Yeah, we're we're, we're we chat weekly. <laughs> um, but it's funny you brought up Duke because he just aired on Friday, uh, Dr. Eric Westman, who's also at Duke, uh, and uh, obviously he's a huge influencer on the low carb, high fat, uh, you know, uh, influence. Uh, and and they oh, that's why I love about Vinny because I'm like this big compared to what he's got for the health influencers like yourself, and I love mm-hmm. it because. Everything we're hitting on, you've reinforced the fact that there are professionals like yourself out there who do know these things, 
But you hinted earlier in the show, I want to make sure we didn't skip over that, that there's even more health professional influencers out there that are not opening their eyes or their ears to this stuff yet. Well, I think they know it. Um, now let's, let's talk about the Duke experience. Okay. So I Googled her name after I met her and discussed these rare genetic diseases, diseases we learned in medical school, but we never see these kids because they all pass away about age two. Wow. So she showed these kids hurlers disease, Crabbe's disease. These are all metabolic diseases. She gave them cord blood stem cell infusions. Now, when you say cord blood, obviously this is from the spinal cord fluid, right? From the from umbilical cord. Oh, allogenic. The, oh the umbilical cord. Yes, yeah, sorry. Umbilical cord. And allogenic, meaning another kid's um, genetic material, mm -hmm. uh, the stem cells. And these kids all reversed. They're all alive. How is that a genetic disease? If it's immutable, unchangeable, and you're going to die no matter what happens, how is it you give them a allogenetic yeah. substance? A which completely different cell. genetic person. Yeah. Wow. It's it's not a genetic disease. It's an epigenetic axonopathy. That's what I'm calling it. Now, just to further confuse, or I don't know if I have it here on my desk, but your listeners would love to Google this one. So let me give you a... Well, hit me with it. I'll <clears throat> Google it. We'll screen share it. Okay. Kurtzberg. Yeah. Uh, so you can get to this. K-U-R-T-B-E-R-G. Senate. 2003. Okay. And do you see a document coming? Uh, let's see here. K-U-R-T-Z-B-E-R-G. Oh, we got something on Wiki. Oh, one second. Let's go a little deeper here. Is Kurtzberg a, a doctor or? Yeah, Joanne Kurtzberg. Oh, Duke. Joanne. Okay, boom. Still talking okay. about Joanne. Yeah. And uh, she was there, um, was there a Senate vote going on back then with this? Yeah, yeah. Isn't that interesting? Where is, it's, we're getting closer. I'm, I'm still digging deeper. But what? Um, what was I the just, primary theme? Well, while well, you're looking for that, yeah. 2003, the Senate chairman of the committee. Guess who? Arizona Connection. Oh, Senator. The, the one who was, the one who was uh, unfortunately shot or? No. Was, uh, no. Congressman? Uh, John McCain. Oh, God. How, how can I skip over that? Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, call, we all know McCain. Okay. I call him Mr. Thumbs Down. Remember his famous mm -hmm, Senate appearance? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. This was 2003. That's 16 years ago. How come the medical profession does not know of this. Oh, All here we go. There's write-ups on this uh, directly under the National Cord Blood Program. They actually yeah. reference uh, this. In, oh, here we go. I'm going to share one from, looks like this is New York. So here, here's, this is off of the National Cord Blood Program, the New York Blood Center, and they have a chronological history here. And 2003, there's Dr. Rubenstein. FDA uh, advisory panel on, I, I was, I just saw this. There you go. Stem cell act of 2003 is yeah. it was drafted. Yep. Okay. So we found yeah, it. There's Dr. Kurtzberg. <clears throat> so she was interviewed by 
um, Senator Brown back. And he asked her what would happen to these kids Hmm. if they didn't get stem cells. And the answer was they would all have died and they didn't. So they proved that they were wrong and that still wasn't enough. Well, I think big pharma doesn't like this. There it is. That's thank you for saying that because it's so true. Who's got the money? Billion dollar uh, uh, corporations. They don't, they don't want to be proven wrong. If they can't make money off of that, well, then that's going to be a problem. I think all the universities, NIH, all the grant, all the funding is all part of this cabal. So it's funny because you bring up NIH. Uh, When you Google a lot of this stuff, trying to dig deeper, there's lots of articles from NIH. So can we trust the content from NIH? No. That's a shame. Because yeah. they come up a lot. So it looks like that they're writing about this and possibly supporting content, but they're influenced is what we're talking about. Well, we know these guys. Uh, I always say to them, are they, these scientists that stupid? <laughs> right. <laughs> or, You're a scientist for a reason. They, You're pretty smart. Or are they on a um, separate budget? You know, you, you've, you spent time in a lab, right? Oh, so, yeah. So you have to admit and I, I, I'm very harsh. I used to be harsh on, on some doctors because I had friends who were doctors, and they told me the truth too. Like an ER doctor, he's he's a very smart guy. Works at three different hospitals. He's like, he came on the podcast and came right out, and like many other doctors said, listen, it's true. We don't know anything about nutrition unless we choose to study it, make it a personal passion. We don't we don't have the time to care, uh, or we have to make the personal choice to do so because the system doesn't support that. And we don't get real political on this show, but it's like I'm not trying to get political i'm just we're just i think we're sharing the truth here is that the system is influenced by money and that's what we're looking at and and when i when i hear about doctors doing groundbreaking research they have to they need somebody to pay for it right that would be mr pfizer he's in the back of the room he'll put up the 300 million for that study you can't i can't and they will study the hell out of it if they get a patent on a drug and it just makes sense. Why would you put three hundred million dollars up to study something you're not going to get a return? But if you come back as a scientist and said, "Oh well, we actually don't need the, a drug because here's the actual way to fix it," well, that's Correct. not going to go over so well. No, it doesn't. <laughs> and I've done it. I've applied for grants, and I get well. When I, I won't tell the university, but it actually happened to me. Hmm. So I thought I would do a um, something on the microbiome of the gut. And connected to diabetic neuropathy, which I know I can do. And I talked to all the professors in a closed room one time. And I used the word, I used a word, I didn't know what it was. And I saw this shifting around. And then I left and I thought, gee, what did I say? The word is glyphosate. That's the <laughs> word I used. And this is this is around five years ago. Okay. Well, glyphosate, Monsanto raises most of the money for the research of the big universities. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. I mean, we yeah. were, uh, Vinny and I were joking around about the influence on Harvard. Like, you can't, it's a shame, such a powerful institution, but he's like, it's like, a, it's, like it's, a, it's a giant endowment fund now. He's like, they're, you can't really trust a lot of the articles that are coming out. They're all influenced. Absolutely. It's a shame because they have such a, a broad reach. <clears throat> well, here's how it works. The, um, and, and now we're get, starting to get into election mode again. <laughs> 
So, and why, I always wonder, I said, why do the politicians go to Iowa? I mean, no one lives in Iowa. It's, it's a, right. It's yeah. Iowa state, you know, but the farm bill is almost a trillion dollars mm-hmm. in our budget. I didn't realize that. That's one of the biggest. Why, come on, I, Doc. That, why do you think there's corn and everything? That's right. <laughs> so, so they all show up, you know, the regulars show up, say, uh, Hey, Hillary, what do you want this year? And, you know, Bernie, you know, mm-hmm. whatever the deal is. So they give the money to the horse they think is going to win in that race. So they bet every horse mm-hmm. and they can't lose. So under the farm bill is NIH. Okay. Okay. So the senators cleverly get the research from, from the NIH, which has already been manipulated and the senator says well it looks like high fructose corn syrup is a great great spread to put on your your toast in the morning right or in my father's case as i was standing there and his his hospital lunch arrives uh again reminder my dad's a type 2 diabetic uh he they they oh what do you want to drink with your lunch he's like i'll take some cranberry juice there you go so he gets the plastic tub with the foil, you know, lid on it. And I, <laughs> right. I grab that thing and I read the foil lid. And it's obviously not pure, real cranberry juice. First of all, no. you're just drinking a sugar bomb anyway. But it's from concentrate with sugar added and corn syrup. High, fruct- yep. high fructose corn syrup in freaking juice. And I'm like, That's you just right. gave this to a type 2 diabetic. And that morning, they were worried about the salt content of him ordering bacon with his eggs. So they wouldn't let him have bacon. And I said, oh, really? Really? Okay. You're not letting him have bacon, but you give him high fructose corn syrup cranberry juice. Okay. This is, this is, oh, yeah. this is the broken system. They, they're not being taught anything. No. Well, you would destroy the whole medical cabal because you got big farming mm-hmm. putting glyphosate roundup into the crop and then you produce food that causes itis mm-hmm. inf- inflammation which the medical professionals cataloged into 86,000 separate indistinct itises as if they're diseases you know what goes well with itises the, ch- the latin translation of ides Oh, yeah. Means death. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Pesticides, yeah, people. That, that's what I'm hinting at. Pesticides. Ides. I learned that years ago from another health nut. I love it. So I, I love it. We're hitting on itises. And I'm like, oh, wait, don't forget. Let's, let's not forget about the Ides. You know, so the Latin, again, I love the fact that you, you really incorporate so much history into our conversation today because people, you got to look at where everything's coming from and where we're going, but you got to right. tie the past to the future. Right. So we're, tr- we're spending a trillion dollars on the farm bill. Trillion. And we spent another trillion dollars on the drugs that treat the itises. Mm-hmm. Well, what? you know why the farm bill is that big, right? Oh, yeah. Let's look at history. Uh, again, you've been doing this longer than I have. So people forget that, you know, farming didn't do so well some decades ago. And the government had to come in and, you know, save America, save our farming. And we subsidized it to save it. Well, right. fast forward to today, all these advancements in hydroponics and everything else, like we actually don't need to save or protect farming, but it's still subsidized. So it's a no-brainer for the government to keep that engine flowing, man. <laughs> well, you say engine, you know, ethanol. Uh, I find this an interesting uh, segue to high fructose corn syrup. 
High fructose, oh, by the way, high fructose corn syrup uses mercury. Oh, dear Lord. That's the catalyst for the hydrogen uh, 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 catalyst that takes the, the kernel away from the sugar. Oh, wow. So you have hydrogen, proc, not hydrogen. Um, what is that? Um, not hydrogenated. I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> you're so you're you talking about the process they need to eventually get it to the point of fuel, correct? Yes. Yeah. So you use, use mercury, thousands of tons of mercury, Dear which Lord. gets into the food supply. That's a heavy metal. So, yeah. So high fructose corn syrup, it also you make ethanol out of. Mm-hmm. You ever wonder why ethanol is not used 100% in a car? car would rust out in about a month oh yeah so well, that's ethanol- why uh older cars you couldn't run the newer fuels in it people were had people were starting to replace anything from the 80s and the even the 90s maybe even the early 2000s your fuel lines were rusting out of the car so people didn't i mean all of a sudden these garages were getting tons of business because of the new the new fuels right so ethanol causes oxidation mm-hmm which is a free radical in the body. So it produces the water molecule H2O, mm-hmm. produces that in the body as a free radical, produces it in the car as a free radical. So rust in a mechanical sense and free radical and itises in a biologic, it's the same thing. Yeah, it's crazy. You know who else so you'd, you know who yeah. you'd, you'd geek out with? You ever hear of um, uh, Dr. Anthony J? No. He wrote the book... Um, Estro generation. So he's very big on plastics, but he's very big into epigenetics. He's been on the show a couple of times. And uh, he, he's the first guy who really got me to dig, do a deep dive. Actually, you'll appreciate this since we were talking about the genome. Um, I, I had like a 23andMe thing done for fun. And he said, okay. oh, get me that raw data file because he does genetic work. So he's actually currently doing a project for the Mayo Clinic right now. Uh, but anyway, he, he, he took my entire, you know, raw data file that I exported out of 23andMe and did a full like genetic deep dive into me. Um, and apparently I'm, I'm great. I don't have a lot of negative stuff in my, my makeup. Uh, but that's a service he does for people. And I, I tell people about it all the time. I was like, you know, don't just do that surface area fluff stuff that you pay 23andMe for. Like, go get it. Go get a deep dive. Cause he did a chemicals and supplemental analysis on my, my whole makeup. It was super fun. We did a whole podcast on it. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's it's a very complicated subject, but it's very essential to health. Well, and to your point, oh, this is where we're going, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So you really should know your own um, epigenetic makeup to stay away from those markers that uh, would produce inflammatory disease. responses. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, and like, that's all we're talking about. Like I'm not good with yeah. nightshades, apparently. Like the the green peppers and stuff like that. I just assumed I always had like a little, you know, upset stomach. I didn't realize it doesn't work well with me. <laughs> I found out after that. <laughs> yeah. So in medicine, the drug companies are going towards the monoclonal antibody therapies. You okay. see them on TV every day. Let's define All- monoclonal because mono, I'm thinking of singular, but. Correct. Okay. So let's say you have rheumatoid arthritis. Mm-hmm take that serum from a patient with rheumatoid arthritis, inject it into a mouse, and then produce an antibody to that, get a patent, make it into a drug, and give it back to the person with rheumatoid arthritis. I believe that last time I looked, there was 44 of these new drugs coming on the market. Oh, yeah, it's terrible. Extremely expensive. 
when the first thing you need to do is don't eat the sugar in the first place. Right. And the high fructose corn syrup should not be in our diet. That should not be in our, in our food system at all. But basically at all. anything that's manufactured, prepared, or preserved pretty much has something of some level of that laced in there. Exactly. So we have high fructose corn syrup approved by the food, right, mm -hmm. and drug agency. So they approve the food that produces the itis. Because they're led to believe that it's okay. And then they approve the drug, these MABs, mm -hmm. that correct the problem that they caused. Well, you, you, maybe you'll appreciate this. I've been calling this for probably over a year now. Um, I refer to pharmaceutical drugs. I refer to them as just medical Band-Aids. I said, oh, you, you oh. haven't found the root cause. Right. And the point of view, you, know, you, your discussion today, the book, like guys, like if you cut the excessive sugars and grains out of your life, hopefully, should be, inflammation reduces. Well, if you don't have the reduction anymore and you don't have the itises as you're hinting at, then you don't need the drugs. Correct. But if we get the taxpayer to pay for them at excessively outrageous prices, you have a wonderful, wonderful business. Oh, yeah. Now, I'm not saying you don't need those occasionally, but the first thing I think you should put a patient on a diet. They're, if, I mean, let's, let's say it was you go into your doctor and he checks your blood and it's sky high in arsenic. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about it. You keep eating the arsenic. I'll give you an anti-arsenic drug, which will allow you to eat all the arsenic you want. That's insanity. But that's what we're doing. It is. I mean, it's the insanity. I mean, again, I have to tie it back to my father because it, I take a personal. There's so many people out there with family members who have diabetes. They need to understand these things you're talking about. Like you're all, you are in podiatry. I, I did not realize that my dad had uh, some kind of weird like nail fungus until I was in the hospital looking at his foot. I'm like, what's wrong with your feet? And he's like, oh, well, it's, it's, it's a normal diabetic thing. I'm like, it's a normal diabetic thing. Like he's afraid to cut his toenails. I guess this is common. I mean, you're, 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 you're a foot guru. <laughs> yeah, it is common because um, sugar, uh, fungus loves sugar. Sure. So it's dead tissue. So the um, fungus gets underneath the nail, which is dead keratin, which is the, what it's made of. And they just breathe in there. Mm. And that's a portal of entry for infection, a bacterial infection. And you've lost sensation because of the diabetic neuropathy and you get a bacterial infection, an ulcer, osteomyelitis, and eventually an amputation. That's, right. how That's what I was so worried about my dad because like he, he came in because his leg was swollen. He was in pain and he had a couple of some fevers a couple of days before that. And then I mean, his leg was big and tight and very red rashy all the way up to his knee. And they traced and it down to that abscess they found underneath, uh, underneath the pad behind the pinky toe. And he, he thought he had a, um, I don't know, he, he thought he had something in his shoe. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, Dad. I was like, what are you doing? I mean, he's a hardworking man. We grew up on a farm when we were kids. You know, he brought us up right. But he, I keep telling my dad, just go back to the way it was when we were kids. Do Everything I'm doing now is what you taught me when we were kids. I was like, we need to get you back there. But then he's in a hospital. You'll appreciate this. Back to diabetes and sugar. Besides the, the, the juice. Um Apparently, if you're a diabetic patient and you're automatically in the hospital, uh, they automatically put him on an insulin regimen. And I was like, wait a minute, 
you're a type 2 diabetic, you already have a specific, like we got him down to just one medicine because he has somewhat been listening to me and Vinny. Um, but, you know, I was like, you're already on this stuff. Why are they putting you on that? And they said, well, they have to do that to cover their butts. I'm like, uh, okay. Yeah, that's, that's part of the answer. Um, there's these protocols in medicine, and if you don't follow these protocols, you're an outlier. And if he did lose his leg and the, the attorneys come in and bring in three experts and say, oh, he didn't follow the protocol. That's why you lost your leg. No, he lost his leg because he's eating sugar, period. And then you guys were f- putting that in his body in a medical area. I mean, just... <laughs> Uh, and then, and then they they did bring in a podiatrist uh, uh, to to lance his foot to relieve yes. the uh, the pressure. So right, but the, that that guy was there for five minutes, and then he measured his foot, and they made made him a special booty, <laughs> and that was really about it. I was like, I feel like there should have been more involvement from somebody like you. But right. although to, to be fair, and real quick, we're at we're at our normal time. Are you good for a few minutes? Sure. Okay. Sure. So if you would have been in that situation, because you know your other colleagues. Are you in a different place because you know what you know here and what we're discussing here today and obviously writing the book? Do, do, is, this, is this common issue across other podiatry practices where they don't understand this either? Or they do know this? It. They don't. Oh, they shit. don't. I mean, we're talking about feet. This is one of the farthest limbs from your heart. This is very right. dangerous. Right. I know what they know because I was trained the way they were in Philadelphia. <laughs> uh, I know the drill. And... Uh, and they're all afraid of the malpractice, and as I am as well. Mm. But Dr. Dellen's theory changed my way of thinking about this 20 years ago. So yes, it's uh, it's a it's a real problem. There's a hundred thousand amputations a year in the United States. Wow. Due to that's exactly how they start: a callus, an abscess, cellulitis, and it goes on and on and on. Well, Unless it, he, yeah. So. You're, are you considered also a surgeon then because you guys do actually have to cut into people? Yeah. I mean, that's what we okay. do. So you got it. Then you have to know, well, to me, he's the man, the myth, the legend from down under, uh, Dr. Fecky. Okay. You familiar yeah. with him? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Vin, Vinny, I mean, obviously we, Vinny put him in the movie because, uh, that guy was an orthopedic surgeon. So he'd get patients from somebody like you, obviously not you people who don't know what you know. Right. Um, and his job was to cut him off. Right. And he got to the point where he just couldn't stand it anymore. And he was willing to challenge the system down under. I think he's not in Australia, um, the other country next door. And or no, it was Australia. So, but he, you know, he's finally cleared of all charges now. I mean, as of this year, but he's been uh, inundated with legality, legal issues and everything else because they, they basically were destroying his professional reputation because he chose to question the system. And oh, yeah. Yeah, so I wasn't sure if you were up on him or not because a lot of people didn't even know. This guy, was his career was being destroyed for years because he just said, wait a minute, why can't I talk about getting people off of excessive sugar? And they said, well, you can't because you're an orthopedic surgeon. What? Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I've oh, yeah. had similar conversations and kind of threatened, threatened subtly. Because I think differently. Yeah, they they yeah. they basically the uh, here we go the Australian Health Practitioners Regulation Agency the AHPRA uh, went went against him in 2016 for recommending the low carb lifestyle uh, to patients he felt could improve their health by changing their diets. <laughs> oh yeah. So uh, uh, 
Yeah, and changing people's thinking is very difficult to do and it's been going on forever. You know, um, there was a guy by the name of Bruno in 1508. He went to, he was a monk in Italy and he went to the Vatican. He says, I got this great idea. He said, what is it? He said, well, I think the earth is really not the center of the universe and we got the sun and these other stars. So they took him downstairs uh, for about two years, gave him a little slap therapy, mm-hmm. as I call it, brought him back up. And he said, what do you think? And he says, well, not only that, I think this and I think there's aliens and whatever. It took him outside, lit a fire and burned him alive. 1508, yeah. because the flat earth people are making a lot of money on their current theory. And anybody steps out of the box is considered a heretic or an insane person because they have a different point of view. And I don't think the earth was flat and now became round. What do you think? I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think yeah. it might have been always round. So Could the be. establishment was wrong. It was always fat that we ate as human beings. Hmm. I asked that question to uh, Don Johansson. Don Johansson is the discoverer of Lucy okay. and most famous anthropologist. So he's at Arizona State University, his Institute for Human Origins. So he invited me to the um, Explorers Club in New York City. And the lecture was, what did Lucy eat three million years ago? The answer is bugs and fat. Mm-hmm. What makes us human is fat. Yeah. What makes us fat is sugar. Yeah. Fat is energy. So I... I- I literally hashtag that all the time. <laughs> it is. And and once you get on a ketogenic diet, you feel much, much better. You lose weight. It's it's a different world. Well, and people don't understand that because I've always been, before keto became a thing, you know, how did I grow up? Eggs, bacon. Uh, we always uh, sourced our meat from uh, local farms. So back in the day, grass fed was pretty normal. Um I, I was never a huge sugar guy. Uh, the one big lifestyle shift I did do was after firefighting in Arizona, I moved to Colorado and did a bunch of mountain bike racing and stuff and did some, I was doing consulting and I was, you know, after a mountain bike race, there's always like a Colorado brewery there. So that would probably would have been my largest source at that time of sugars and grains was beer. Uh, and then I eventually went off of that completely a couple of years ago because I, you know, obviously I know too much now and people are like, well, aren't you living a very deprived lifestyle? And I said, you know what? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I mean, right before we started this podcast tonight, Doc, I went outside and grilled up uh, two beautiful grass-fed uh, uh, New York strips, you know, rubbed wow. on some, some some Utah uh, salt from Real Salt Company and uh, fresh ground black pepper and uh, drizzled some fresh olive oil on it for some more fats and then chugged like three glasses of water. I don't. I mean, I don't find that being deprived at all. Not at all. <laughs> no, you're, that's perfect. Perfect. And when I get off of this with you, I'm, I have I have a fresh avocado waiting out there. And I'm like, you know, I feel I might have some more healthy fats while I'm at <laughs> it. I don't know. So I'm also training for my first hundred mile mountain bike race right now. So oh boy. And I, I've never done a mountain bike race of that distance. Number one, but number two, like I'm everything I'm doing is fat adapted. So right now I have uh, next weekend and and then two weekends after that I have two big road cycling events. One benefiting. Um, uh, it's called Tour de Touche, so it's for male cancer. Uh, and uh, the other one is a, another charity event. So I love doing charity cycling events because now in the past few years, I'm purposely training to be fat adapted because I don't 
what to put sugar in my body. You're absolutely know. correct. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you're working with athletes in Arizona. And again, I miss Arizona, by the way, except for when it's like July and you're like at 115 degrees. Uh, that was the only time I didn't really like it. <laughs> you know what happened today in Strawberry, Arizona, up north? Yeah. It snowed, it snowed today. Really? Yes. And it. I think we have a high of in the 70s. It should be 105 today. Uh, but we're 70s. See, my, my, my fire base, uh, we were known as the Pleasant Valley Hotshots. We were ba- we were based in Tonto National Forest to your northeast. Oh, yeah. So sure. you'd have, you'd have it's to, snowing you'd... right there, right today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not normally this late in the season because normally, Never. actually, our fire season training started in April, and then we would go to the end of September. Uh, but, yeah, I used to drive up the B-line, you know, pop through Payson, and then what, I forget the east-west highway out of Payson. But you take that over the rim. Mm-hmm. And then you drop into a, an old town called Pleasant Valley, uh, which is also known as Young, Young, Arizona. And we had a U.S. Forest Service base down there, and we were called the Pleasant Valley Hotshots. They've since moved down by you guys now because it was really hard to find guys willing to be three hours outside of a city uh, because you have to stay within two hours of callback. So on our days off, for we, the, the only place we can go to is Payson. So after a while, it gets a little boring. <laughs> I always think so. But it's beautiful country up there. Oh yeah, uh, but yeah. to to be fair, up in those remote areas, and when I was traveling as a firefighter, because as a hotshot, they shipped you all over. Uh, the food is rough. I mean, uh, a lot of the fire camps, they're just trying to load you with calories. So it was mm-hmm. eggs and bacon, but then oh, you had like they had everything. They had pancakes. They, I mean, depending on what you're at, I mean, they just threw everything at us. They didn't care, especially if it was cheap because it was federal. You know, so we're being paid for by federal budgets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh yeah. Like one thing you'll appreciate or not appreciate, they must have gotten sponsored by like Cliff Bar because every brown bag lunch they gave us for a uh, for fire assignment always had two or three Cliff Bars in it. Really? And one, I'll never eat one of those ever again anyway, but two, I don't think I could after those 2 years because again, that's just basically a, a sugar bomb. There's no protein in that or anything. There's no fats. But again, if you well, go you're... to if you do a running event in Arizona by you, I guarantee you'll well, probably see a clip bar. <laughs> yeah. Well, your your knowledge is um, is fabulous because you're doing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're living the keto life, so you know. Um, and I imagine it's difficult coming up at some of these different doctors who know their medicine. Mm-hmm. And knowing your medicine is, I mean, it's admirable. But it, it's so unnecessary. I don't take anything away from them. I, I, I agree with you. That's, that's a very good point. It is admirable to see the level of commitment and dedication that professionals like you take to take that oath to, to be a doctor, right? To, to serve the public and to get, get, I truly believe, give back. Whatever people want to look at it a different way, I don't care. But that is a very committed <laughs> career yeah. lifestyle. It is. And it's not but- easy. No, it's not easy, um, but I think they've been deceived. They okay. really have. And I, if and going back, to, you know, in history, especially eighteen hundreds, mm-hmm. um, they were just describing effects. They didn't know it was sugar, um, and only the rich people ate sugar because it was expensive. Yeah, because back yeah. then it was just pure sugar cane, and that was it. Right, and it was scarce. Now it's plentiful and it's in everything and it's cheap. So yeah, because we use that as a preservative. Yes. Yeah. And so everybody is sick. Mm-hmm. America is fat and sick and weakened by this horrible 
dependency on sugar. Well, it's it's books like yours that we need to actually help shed more light on. And this is, I truly believe that in our lifetime, I really hope to see even more of an explosive impact. That's why I'm excited with Vinny's movie, you know, fat documentary. And obviously doctors like you guys, let me do some screen sharing again. Um, by the way, it looks like you guys also have it in audio as well. It is an audio. I didn't do the audio. Uh, is that they, Raquel? Yeah. Yeah. And she didn't do it either. Oh. Um, uh, Amazon did it. Yeah. Oh. Amazon. Yeah. I'm actually working on self-publishing my first book on Amazon right now. So, uh, you, did you guys self-publish on Amazon? No, we, we went through uh, Harper Collins. Okay. All right. So, well, I, I love it because in the description here, they even reference uh, the man Gary Taubes in, in this description here. So uh, Gary's very well known, and obviously he's in the new Fat movie as well. Um, oh, but it, but for the people hearing this that aren't seeing this, which will be on the YouTube feed, again, it's Sugar Crush, How to Reduce Inflammation, Reverse Nerve Damage, and Reclaim Good Health. And uh, again, I, I've shared it many times on this show. I obviously live the you want to use Vinny's term, right? NSNG, no sugar, no grains. You want to call it ketogenic. You want to call it keto. Uh, you want to call it fat adapted. Um, you know, I don't, I don't actually take it to the level of where I'm actually pricking my finger and doing blood, blood ketone testing. And people are like, well, how can you say you live a keto lifestyle? And I said, cause I just know <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you don't have to go that, that obsessive. I mean, it's fun if you want to. <laughs> now, so, I think, in the, yeah, I think in the beginning when you're you're trying to transition over, you're you're probably more committed to do those things. But I don't test either. Yeah, I know I know what my diet's like. So so obviously, since I connect on the fat key thing, as we bring the show towards a close, are you legally allowed to mention ketogenic lifestyles to your patients? I hope so, because I say it every day. <laughs> right? Every day. I mean. It's it's a shame that I have to even say it that way, but it's like, yeah, I mean, after seeing what happened to him down in Australia, it's pretty wild. I mean, well, the first the first uh, question I asked Dr. Cook up at Stanford was this question, and this is almost twenty years ago. I said, Dr. Cook, I'm confused about this statin uh, fat sugar hypothesis or the fat hypothesis. He said, Well, it's simple. Okay, these are his words. The lining of the blood vessel is called the endothelium, and it's as smooth as Teflon. You eat sugar, it makes it like Velcro, and cholesterol sticks to that inflammation. Boom. That's the answer to the question. So, again, 1800s, guy by the name of Vercal, he opened up an artery. He looked at the stuff inside of it. And this word, atherosclerosis, mm -hmm. sclerosis again. Very mm -hmm. popular word back in the 1800s. Clearly. Athro means, you know what athro means in Greek? No. Gunk. Gunk. <laughs> okay. So hardened gunk. Now there's science for you, right? Yeah. So that's the word for, uh, you have to do it with a deep voice, atherosclerosis. Oh, yeah. Atherosclerosis. So why is that gunk on the artery wall? Because sugar was underneath it mm -hmm. and it inflamed the wall. Cholesterol, which is a healing molecule, responds to that inflammation. But if you keep eating sugar, you're going to get more and more cholesterol buildup. Sure. But you you don't want to reduce your cholesterol. So here's the metaphor I use for that at that accident scene in Broad, uh, Broad Street Market. Okay. So you're in your um, 
office what in Billy Penn, the, the city hall there, and you look out the window and you hear you hear a siren every day. You look out and you see an ambulance responding to an accident every day, every day. So you, brilliant that you are, doctor, you say, I got it. Ambulances cause accidents because <laughs> you never saw the accident as it happened. You only heard the siren, which is the molecule, the signaling molecule to cholesterol to respond to that accident. And that sums it up. Wow. That's a great way to sum up because anybody hearing that right now would be like, well, no, obviously that sounds stupid, but yeah. that's, that's, I, I tell people all the time, like, how can you eat all that cholesterol, eggs and bacon? And I'm like, because if you don't eat cholesterol, your body will literally manufacture it itself because it's a required cellular, it's, it's required at the cellular level. As you said, it's a healing right. molecule. Right. You know what people say, you know, what is, what is my cholesterol level? You know what my cholesterol level is? I have no idea because I never measure it. There you go. Because I know if I don't eat sugar, it's going to be whatever it needs to be. Well, I get, um, I donate blood every eight weeks. So they send you that back in the mail. Like it's like, a, I call it the free health test, but they always send that back to you. Uh, and, and it's funny because sometimes I'll even set off the heart, the monitors and they question whether or not I can donate because my heart rate is so low. And I said, <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I'm an endurance athlete. Like I, <laughs> what do you want me to do? So like usually they'll leave and they'll come back and retest. So when they leave, I'll just, I drop and I do some pushups and then everything's fine after that. And then, then they'll let me go donate, <laughs> oh but God. they don't know. They, they like, well, your heart rate's too low. Yeah. But cause I, I go out and do 50 mile well, bike compa- rides. Well, compared to them. Yeah. You know, they're big girls in there. Yeah. Sure. And unf- unfortunately, yeah, yeah unfortunately yeah. it's a shame. Um, it, you are correct. It is rare that I've seen a, an athletic or a lean, lean athlete. We'll say it that way. Uh, a lean athlete level, uh, phlebotomist, uh, working on me. I think I used that one, right? Right. Phlebotomist. I yes. think you did perfect. All right. Nailed it. <laughs> I'll say that one deeper phlebotomist. So <laughs> pl- please donate people. Uh, seriously, go donate blood. It's actually great to get a free health test by the way, too. So, um, well, listen, doc, I've loved this and you, I, I, you know, now that you're saying this, you said you're on Vinny's show. I have to go back and look what episode because I listened to every single one of his episodes and I must have listened to you then. I, I just don't know what he titled your show then about. Cause that had, was about five years ago. Oh, wow. Then maybe yeah. it's, wow, we got to get you back on. He, he brings uh, some of you guys back on. His show is even bigger and better than it's ever been. So, oh, is that right? Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to email Vinny. I'm going to say, yo, Vinny, I just, ha- I just have one of your old compadres on because every Friday, he specifically does a show like this with only like powerful influencers. So that Friday show is dedicated to people like yourself. And oh. he's, he's had a few people like uh, Nina Teicholz, Gary Taubes, uh, oh, a yeah. lot of repeats. Yeah. Well, Nina, I'm very familiar with her. I'm on a committee, a nutrition coalition committee with her. Yes. And her book is very influential for sure. Big but see, again, us. she's not a doctor. No. So she had to ask fundamental questions to get to the bottom line. And fat is good. Can you imagine the anxiety she went through oh. getting to that point? Well, I mean, she was just on Vinny's show not too long ago again, and, and, and they were talking about how she didn't know either. Like she, Luckily, because she's like a professional, like investigative-level pr- reporter. And exactly. the reason why she went deep diving originally was because she was actually practicing a vegan lifestyle. And I guess thanks to the research, she realized, oh, my God, I am totally on the wrong side of that decision. <laughs> And it completely became I, and I see. I agree with that. Now, there's still a lot of controversy on the vegan versus oh, carnivore. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I think you can be both. I think women can tend to be more vegetarians. Mm-hmm. Men, I think, have to be carnivores. And I asked that question to Don. Oh, testosterone alone. Yeah, I mean, you got to have, and you got to have the B12, mm-hmm. and you're not going to get it in a vegan diet. No. And I think women can handle it better. I, I mean, I, if I don't have meat. Uh, you know, I have friends that, that practice both those lifestyles. I respect their decision. Um, but usually, and it's funny how you brought up religion earlier in the show, but it is usually a very religious style influence choice. Uh, and obviously, Vinny's very outspoken about that lifestyle because they attack him online all the time. And uh, he, he says they're actually planning these uh, watch parties when the movie comes out just so they can start bashing the movie and try and claim it's all inaccurate. But, I mean, you know Vinny. He's working with people like Gary and Nina. They backed up so much science in that movie when it comes out. It's You're not going to really be able to argue it because <laughs> they got all the science from guys like you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a real trick, I think, to help things really, I think, stand the future test of time as far as bringing validity to what we're talking about is put the science behind it and really yep. get the accuracy out there. Well, that's absolutely true. Um, but it's such a, a dichotomy when we've been taught for 50 to 60 years that fat was bad. Yeah. And and in fact, it was always good. And they all they will burn anybody at the stake that is contrary to the flat earth society yeah. and, and it's still going on maybe even worse now. And take, you should get somebody on who really knows the monoclonal antibodies. Um, that was, and, yeah, I got to find somebody for that. Cause that was a great buzzword. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, that's going to suck every nickel out of the healthcare system fighting itises with hundred thousand dollar drugs. And there's 44 of them at the last count. Wow, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, this is the this is the big new thing. When you're watching TV and you see these drug ads, look for the generic at the end of the word. It'll say MAB, and that's the key. There's a genetically modified anti-itis drugs. Oh yeah, and extremely expensive. Well, and and you'll appreciate this. I don't know if you can see the detail, but I did find a site. It's like abclonal.com, but they're talking about. Uh, Custom mouse monoclonal antibody production. That's the guy. Oh, that's it. Yep. Okay. Well, there we go. Oh, he's got all the diagram on here and everything. <laughs> oh yeah. But, that's where the money is. If you're buying stock, buy this. If but, you want to wow, buy- look at this. He, so according to this timeline, you get product delivery from antigen design and synthesis phase at the four, in four weeks by 27 weeks. Oh yeah, isn't that amazing? Wow, that's a fast turnaround time. Yeah. That's impressive. Wait. Wow. Yeah. They, I got to dig deeper into this guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, hold on. Actually, since I'm, I was already screen sharing, let me screen share again, help close the show out. Um, let's bring it back up there. There we go. Sugar crush people. And remember, uh, if you want to learn more about, you know, everything, just go to extremityhealthcenters.com. I love all, all your videos on here. And I love the fact you actually are you deep. You dive so deep into neuropathy. Like I said, I didn't, take it as a personal passion until recent people were on the show. And then obviously my own father going through everything he's been going through. Uh, but I've already added your book cause I have one of these Amazon influencer pages. So you've already been added to my library cause I have all my book recommendations integrated into that Amazon page. Oh, thank you. Thank so you. it's ready to rock for people. So that's right. Ladies and gentlemen, when you hear that, go to livethefield.com, you click on the Amazon banner and it goes right to my book recommendations page. It's not that hard. 
I made it very easy for you because literally probably 80% of the audience out there is using Amazon. Uh, but Doc, you are the guest co-host today. And I love this, what you've done here because you could tell you really are truly trying to leave a legacy behind. And I think that's where, I think that's a true definition of wisdom is that we acquire all this knowledge in life, but unless we're passing it on, what was the point? Um, so is, is there, is there an all encompassing message by the way, like behind all of this, like everything you're trying to do, you know, behind your practice, all the years of experience, now the book, uh, anything you want to leave behind for the audience? Well, for, as far as diet, because my editor asked me, you got to have a diet. I said, well, it's simple. If it tastes good, don't eat it unless you read the, <laughs> unless you read the label, I guarantee you it has sugar in it. That's all you have to do. You don't have to count calories. You can eat all the calories you want at steak. Eat as much steak as you want because you're you're going to be satiated and satisfied so quickly. You're really not going to be hungry anyway. So it's a misnomer. You eat a lot of sugar, you will be hungry mm. and never satisfied. That's number one. And my my new book, I'm working on a new book at, right now. It's called The Uber Marker, <laughs> and and that's from my work at Stanford with John Cook. But I've come to the conclusion. Stem cells, and there'll be a lot about stem cells. Stem cells do not give a rat's ass what you call your itis because they don't speak English. Did you know that? Mm. Stem cells don't speak English, French, German, or any other language other than the immune system. So that's my message. As a, as in contradistinction to these MAB drugs, you do stem cells, it'll get rid of any disease, any disease, if it's inflammatory. But the government is pushing their MAB drugs because they can get a patent, and that's the big money for those drugs. And that's my message. Live a natural lifestyle. Use a natural product, which is stem cells, mm -hmm. and whether it's allergenic or your own, and life will be good. So have a nice steak. <laughs> I love olive it. Olive oil, some green vegetables, and you'll live forever. Throw, and then dice up some avocado and throw that over the top of the vegetables too while you're at it. Or heck, I, right. I'll, I'll puree that up and I'll smear it right over the top of the steak. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. I do that. Oh, yeah. Well, I love it, Doc. Hang tight. I want to give you a proper goodbye off the air. Ladies and gentlemen, again, please go check out Sugar Crush. Again, it's on the Influencer page. Go check it out. But remember, if you really want to understand more about what's going on, maybe not even your life, your family's life, or just people you care about, you have to take that personal action and start learning. And that's the point of this podcast. That's the point of these books is take action. I've said it before on other shows, you know, become your own inner physician, take accountability for what's happening in and around our lives. So thanks for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. The doc definitely helped us rock the, uh, the healthy lifestyle component. Again, we're here to fuel your health, your business, your lifestyle. He definitely helped us do it today. So remember, tune in again on the next show. And remember, you too can live the fuel. I'll talk to you guys again soon. Thank you for subscribing to Live the Fuel. Stay connected on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Live the Fuel. And remember, you too can live the fuel. So please visit us at livethefuel.com.